0: Welcome back, everybody. I'm super excited for today's episode. We have Lilith Three Feathers with us. So welcome, Lilith. Hi, Amber. It's nice to be here. Well, welcome. I'm going to tell everybody a little bit about yourself, but I say a little bit and there's quite a bit. You've got such an impressive background. Lilith has studied alternative healing and shamanic practices for more than 40 years. She was trained by indigenous elders, shamans, and healers from Australia, Africa, and throughout the Americas. She offers services as a shamanic practitioner and alternative healer using shamanic ceremonial and alternative healing methods. She strives to help clients return to balance and reconnect with the healing powers of nature in the universe. But that's just a brief little intro there, Lilith. Would you want to explain just a little bit more about yourself, how you got into doing everything that you do? Well,
1: when I was really, really young, so this is long ago, uh, women used to go to the beauty parlor and they spent the afternoon in the beauty parlor. So my mother would drop me off at the library and she had a, an arrangement with the librarian. she knew all the librarians there. So that I was allowed to look at any book in the library back. This is back in the days when, you know, children were supposed to stay in the children's section and they had, you know, adult books was like everything else. Re- regardless of whether it was what we would consider adult books or not, you know, everything was was very um, regimented. And, you know, you had to have permission to go into certain areas. Well, my mother said she's allowed to read whatever she wants. So I started uh, reading anthropology books and sociology books. And I was really young. And I had also been lucky to have a grandfather who would take me on walks and talk about the universe and uh, the trees and the birds and how you could tell if bad weather was coming and things like that. So I was really lucky in that way. So that, I guess, would say began a quest to the I wanted to understand a lot of things. I won't say everything, although when I was probably a teenager, I probably said I wanted to understand everything. But (laughs) so I, I began a quest, it led me to a lot of different places. I ended up studying with A lot of different people studying a lot of different religions, participating in a lot of religious ceremonies from different backgrounds, and meeting some indigenous people who were kind enough to talk to me and and explain some of the things to me, and, and that led to me getting a lot of initiations and studying with uh, different people, Karen and shamans from South America and uh, South Africa and, and all over the place. And I just kept doing it. Okay, When I got to a certain time in life, I had had a really serious illness. Um, the doctors told me I had to move. I had to leave where I was living or I would not survive. And they said, if I stayed where I was, I would live three years. And that was in 1986. So I'm obviously still alive. <laughs> so I moved and I, I decided I had set aside a lot of these investigations because normal life intervened. You know, you have jobs, you have children. So I had jobs, I had children, I had things that were wanting my time and energy. And I didn't think I could do all of the above. I didn't think I could do raising children and, and studying and doing shamanism and doing alternative things all, all at the same time. Well, what happened was when I got really sick, I had a, a interaction with a divine being I won't go into that a whole lot on your podcast because I don't want to talk about it for your whole podcast, but I was very lucky. This divine being said, you will you will do these things, and she kept pushing me to do different things, and essentially, I had to recognize that all of the things that I had been searching for, all of the different uh, healing modalities and things I was interested in, all of these things were part of me. I couldn't just leave those behind. You know, I couldn't put them in a box and say, I'll pick them up later. They all had to be going into the future with me. So that's essentially how I ended up in a place where other people said, oh, you're a shaman. And I was like, oh, good. There's a word for this.
0: (laughs) I love that because it leads right into the first question I had for you. And before I ask that though, how amazing is it that you had a grandfather willing and able to talk to you about the universe?
1: Oh, it was, it was a blessing. It was a blessing.
0: He was a blessing
1: throughout my, my childhood. Uh, He passed when I was 16, but he was really important to me and obviously still remains as somebody who steered my life into a way that would have been quite different, you know, could have been quite different.
0: Oh, absolutely. And that's the biggest thing. It took me a lot longer to figure out and accept my full skill set just due to the fact of not having that familiar support or understanding before. And now that I've talked it, living it, doing it, they are more open and understanding. But when you don't have a word to it and you're from a small town, I call it woo-woo, and it kind of makes people laugh and get comfortable a little bit. But um, we all know, you know, in in the industry and field, what it entails being a medium and psychic and whatnot. I think it's really cool. You being a shaman, because everyone that I've met with is like, you should be a shaman, Amber. You should do this, that, and the other. I don't even know where to start. And It sounds like you have a lot of it figured out. So what I wanted to ask you is, how do you describe what a shaman is?
1: Well, we could go with the traditional view of shamanism uh, in, in our society, realizing that the definition is probably much greater than that. But a shaman in the past, historically, has always been somebody who interceded on behalf of groups of people or individual people or their community with the other realities. So depending upon which part of the world you're in, the names for those other beings were different and typically we call them spirits uh, nowadays in the past they probably had other names for them but we'll just use our modern terminology so shamans go into the other realities in order to affect change in this reality so they interact with spirits in order to affect change in this reality they can interact with elevated beings in order to affect change so if they are working with somebody who needs healing they would start out with prayers for that person and requests for their their spirit allies to help them in determining what is the best that that person needs right at this moment and they would go on from there now in ancient times and I say that from a standpoint of somebody who lives in in a Western culture, because there are still shamanic cultures around. So this would be a more urgent thing for those shamanic cultures than it is for us. But in ancient times, shamans also were responsible for helping people find food and water and shelter. So all of that is, is something that could have been useful for the people to know and the shamans would would speak to their spirits and find out where for instance the deer were so that people could go hunt the deer things like that nowadays we are lucky and and we don't have to do that we don't have that requirement but we have other requirements has somebody who works in, in shamanism, we have other requirements as a shamanic practitioner that those people did not have, which is helping the earth to heal and the other beings to heal other than the individual humans on the planet. Um, so as things have shifted, the roles of a shaman, shamanic practitioner have shifted also.
0: You know, it leads me to a question I didn't have written down, but just wondering, the different types of spirits, because I talk about duality quite often, light and dark, good versus evil. Do you have to, as a shaman, speak to both sides? Well, typically what happens there is that we are not
1: working with spirits who are dark, but we have to be able to know how to counter them, how to remove them from the interaction of the person. And that, depending upon what the client is, is open for that may or may not be above board. A lot of people, if you say there's a spirit that is attached to this person, there's like a, they're not going to be able to sit still and remain calm. And so you would, you know, you probably wouldn't bother to tell them that until afterwards, but you would go ahead and Work on behalf of that person, fight on, if necessary, on behalf of that person. Again, shamans specialize, and that's something very different from our society, where we're supposed to know how to do a lot of different things. But there are specialties, and, and some have more experience than others
0: uh, in certain areas. So I won't speak for everybody. I'll only speak for myself there. Correct. And I I respect that entirely. And you'd explained how you got to learning a lot about the different things that you've experienced and do, but in regards to becoming a shaman, what does that process look like? Is there the formalized training that you have to go through? I'm assuming there's some. I went through a
1: a lot of training with a lot of different people because I was not in a situation, as a single parent, I was not in a situation where I could just go off and live with an indigenous person in a remote area. I did not feel that would be fair to my children to do that. So I did, I studied with a lot of different people. And that's how I ended up studying with people from different areas, uh, different regions of the world, because they would be brought into my life. And, and I would study with them. If they were willing to teach me, I would study with them for as long as they were willing to teach me.
0: Did your children learn a lot from you and continue with the process, or have they kind of followed Western society? That's an interesting
1: question.
0: I I
1: would say that it has influenced their belief systems and their attitudes, but they all... uh, they all pretty much look like they followed Western society. Mom does her thing and, you know, they understand the terminology. And if they need help, you know, they call me. But, but otherwise they have jobs and they do pretty much what everyone else does.
0: They've got good support then. They know where they can find you. Yes. Now, have you ever felt conflicted between the ancient knowledge of shamanism and modern ways of thinking?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: There is no way that anyone who is
1: working on evolving as a spiritual person, evolving as a human being, has not come into times where they feel that their beliefs are contradictory with a lot of the beliefs of people around them or of the systems around them. I don't know what what if, if you have anything in particular in mind you want to talk about because that's a huge topic.
0: You know, let's go there. There's a whole bunch of new information coming out about 5D, the upgrade, Gaia. I watch the Gaia channel and learn all about these newer techniques and processes. And I swear I can learn something new every day. But I feel like there's such new knowledge and ways of thinking. And then I don't know as much about the ancient shamanism. So that's where I thought it might be kind of cool to see like a major difference or a major change that you've noticed from the past, even in your days, to current? I would say food is a major change. 60 years ago,
1: people tended to have a garden. 50 years ago, I had a garden, you know, a big garden. And people didn't really, they practiced organic gardening without even perhaps realizing it was organic gardening. Maybe they had a couple of chickens. You know, in the 50s, we're talking about people had little kitchen gardens and nobody thought anything of it. Uh, There were a lot of family farms. Family farming is very different from agribusiness farming. And family farming is much more in line with people being connected to the earth, people who are... Farms, on farmers on a little farm, they're much more connected to the seasons, the cycles, the, you know, it makes a big difference to them if the rain doesn't come when it's supposed to come. It makes a big difference to them if the rain is terrible when they're supposed to be harvesting. So they're, they're more in tune. They're not thinking, oh, it's Wednesday, so... Next Wednesday, I'll do harvest. They're thinking, oh, look at the, it it feels like there's a storm coming. I better harvest today. That's something we don't do anymore. And it's something I'm not saying is bad or good, because obviously bad farming techniques led to famine in this country in a lot of areas. But if you have people who are growing in their own ground, growing in the land, they have a sense of it being part of them. They're not separate from nature. I run into people who are uh, younger people nowadays, who have never really spent any time outside, and they're kind of afraid of being outside. You know, it's like, well, go for Let's go for a walk in the woods. Why don't you go for a walk in the woods? And they're like, the woods are scary. And I think you would not see so much of that if people still were gardening or, you know, raising a couple of chickens or something.
0: I agree. And I, I think a big shift I noticed, even from when I was a kid to now, you know, we went outside, I played more sports. I wasn't, I lived in town in a very small town. So I didn't farm, but my family came, my dad's family was farmers. And It was unique just to see the change when technology came and kept changing so quickly that the farming in the smaller towns have almost become obsolete. And it's really sad because to see those handed down from generation to generation and working the land, as you said, it was a beautiful process, but a lot has gotten in the way of that. And I hate to say it, but phones, they're great to some degree, but they also can cause issues, I think, and keep people focused on the wrong things like social media, not saying it's always wrong, but it takes them away from nature and thinking outside the box. Just like anything else,
1: technology can be a blessing. Technology can be a hindrance. If somebody is on social media all day long and they have an anxiety that develops from what's going on on social media, then that's not a good thing. If somebody is online because they're uh, learning or it's, it's helping them to connect with other people who are far away, then they don't feel so isolated. That's a positive thing. So it's with anything else I'd say, you know, that old platitude about moderation is uh you know, moderation and all things. I think that relates to technology too. I mean, we wouldn't be able to talk like now without technology, but if this is the only social interaction or the only interaction with living beings
0: that a person has, then that's really sad. So true. And people need to have a support system and, you know, really have other things than just the internet because you can't trust the internet. I always say... You can trust certain things, but look at your sources, get out, be present, notice what's in front of you versus what you're seeing. Because I, what I've noticed from the past even to today, and I think we see it in the news, they always show the negatives and make everything look so bad. And what I'm noticing these days is my reality when I'm fully present and in my space, I don't see, feel, hear all the destruction of when I turn on my social media platform, or I turn on the news, it's negative, negative, negative. And so I think that just being people out there being more mindful of what they're looking at, researching, and trusting. You're
1: talking about a balance, a balance in life. We do not typically have a balanced lifestyle in this country. I can say that because you and I live in the same country, but it's you know it's it's not a balanced lifestyle. What do people do? If you ask people how are you, they're often they say fine. Uh, what have you been doing? Um, work has been pretty good, you know. It's like there's like their life has been divided up into work and non-work times, into job and whatever you can squeeze in when you're not at your job and as you were talking about earlier with phones, it's really easy for the job to become a bigger and bigger part of people's lives. And so we do get away from unprogrammed uh, interactions with people.
0: You nailed the right word there. That's exactly what I was thinking of in my head, but could not put the right word on it. So that was very beautifully put. Well, thank you. Now, when I went to your website, which I'm going to share everybody, I'm going to share all of her information in the show notes today. One reading in particular stood out to me. You've got a lot of great different readings on there. And it was the bone reading. Oh, yes. (laughs) And I was wondering if you could explain to me what that reading
1: looks like. It's a very different reading. And I will admit it's not one of my most... Called for readings. Okay. Most people want tarot or uh, some sort of shamanic divination. Um, the bone reading kind of scares them off, but it literally is objects that are, it can be small bones, can be things like rocks or a button, objects that want to be part of that uh, divination system and want to help with guiding people. And when I use that system, I'm very much calling in my shamanic and allies and elevated spirits. And they're, they're very much talking through that because it's a more three dimensional reading. You know, it's not like tarot where you've got a picture. Now there's a lot of archetypes. There's a lot of symbolism in tarot. There's nothing wrong with tarot. I read tarot all the time, but it's a much more three dimensional thing than. Um, because it might have, um, you might get a reading that has like two bones and five stones and a little silver thing. And so then it's much more three-dimensional looking than, and it's kind of stacks up that way. It kind of goes past, present, future in a very shamanic way. That's different from, um, the other kinds of readings from a regular card oracle reading.
0: I do tarot readings myself or others, but that one did stand out and it still interests me after you explaining it. And a lot of times I'm always telling people it's about divine timing. When they come to my website, there's a reason they've been led there. You know, and there's a reason I was led to your website and that's what stood out to talk about it. And I have a feeling, you know, I've got a large, vast number of listeners. It's going to stand out to them. I've always said, it seems like, I'll find a lot of the answers or things out there. And then people will turn to me for that wisdom or insight. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I think that's one that I'm going to schedule with
1: you. Oh, that would be exciting. I'd like to do that.
0: Yeah, I'm very excited about that. And this is a big question. And I think you're going to have the right answers for this. Now, can you share some of your wisdom on reconnecting with nature and spirit?
1: Well, sure.
0: A lot of the
1: ills of society, the dysfunctions of society and of people in our society are because they are separated from the cycle of life, the circle of life, which are two different things. But as part of what Native Americans often call the web of life, we are interconnected in a way that is not just with other people that's why you see what happened during the pandemic, during COVID. Many people got pets, they got dogs, they got cats, they, you know, they didn't have one before they have, they have one now, because they felt very isolated from life. And that was one way for them to interact with life. And we have a lot of beings that we interact with. And I use that term Purposefully on a daily basis, that we probably don't notice, you know, plants. When we go outside at night, do we see the moon shining or do we just ignore it? You know, I mean, some of us are not living in a place where we can see the moon every day because of clouds and things, but still, do we notice the stars? Do we notice when we go outside and we stand on our porch that whether there are birds, whether there are crickets, all of these things beings and interactions these are all events in our lives that we tend to ignore in our culture and by ignoring them we cut ourselves off even further from that interaction with the web of all things and that's what in order to reconnect with that it doesn't take much really but You know, if you can nudge somebody in the general direction of going and sitting in a place where it's safe for them to sit outside and go with a friend, they don't have to go by themselves, but no, tell your friend when we get there, we're not going to talk for 15 minutes, set a timer if you have to, and don't talk for 15 minutes. Now, obviously, if somebody comes up and says hello to you, it's fine to say hello back and talk to them. But sit there and listen. Listen to what's going on around you. Listen to life. Life is going on even when we're not paying attention to it. I don't know if that answered your question. Oh,
0: it did. And it made me come up with another question and thinking that you're the right person to ask. And anybody that knows me and talks to me on a pretty regular basis knows that I've been mentioning the moon at night when I'm going for my walks with my dog, I listen to my meditation or I listen to a podcast and I'm always noticing the moon and it almost looks like it's this huge light bulb sitting on top of the sky down on this plane of what I call the show or the movie or the platform almost shining down. But that's just my kind of metaphor for what it seems like, but what, what is the significance Is there significance to the moon? I know there is, but like a particular meaning behind it or something to this existence of life?
1: Well, there's a lot of significance to the moon. First of all, we all, we have water all over this planet Although some areas don't have enough and some areas have too much, the water all over this planet is affected by the moon. So just take a second and think about that. Every drop of water all over this planet is affected by the moon. And so, and even we tend to look at it as it's that body that's out there, it reflects light from the sun. It's it's a, our satellite, but it's a pretty impressive thing. To have a satellite, first of all, that moves and turns and has its own orbit and influences the high tides and the low tides. If you go look at a chart of the tides, you will see they're not the same every day. So, yes, obviously it influences us on a mystical, mythological, philosophical level. The moon has been fascinating people for millennia. That is so
0: cool. You taught me something today. So not only does the moon help with uh, the water, also there's the man on the moon. So I've still got to figure that one out. (laughs) All right, Lilith, if there would be one piece of advice that you would want to give to someone on this spiritual quest in life, I guess, and to follow their passions, what would it be? Take a chance on
1: something new and verify all the information you get
0: (laughs) love it now do you have a particular book that stands out that's really changed your life
1: oh I would say many books have have been important I I read 10 books a week so that's kind of hard for me to answer um I I do a lot of reading
0: (laughs) I would say so I thought I was doing good with finishing a couple a week wow 10 you've got me beat (laughs) I, I can't up, help it. <laughs> no, it's good. It's a good thing. Bringing up books, though, that leads me into your latest book that I've not read yet. I wish that I could say I have, but I have not, that you co-authored with Joy Marie Weedmik. I hope I said Wet it. Wedmedic. Okay, <laughs> I butchered it. Called The Heart of the Elder, Good Elders and the Influence. Can you tell us a little bit about the book? Thank you for asking. That book
1: was a work of love with joy because we had had elders in our lives that had affected us, people who we viewed as really instrumental in our journeys, and people that we knew were important to other people too. But we questioned what made them that way, what made them important, why were they You know, there's something about an elder that is more than just they're an old person. So, you know, we started talking to people and we we sent out questionnaires. We talked to people in person. We talked to individuals and groups and talked to people on the phone. And we had a lot of interactions with people. We did a lot of research for about five years. And then we started writing the book and going through all of the little bits of information that we found and putting in all the information that we had uh, experienced with our elders who were very from different walks of life. And so what we came up with was a book that will hopefully tell people how to meet an elder, a good elder, how to determine if this person is a good elder, how to know ways of interacting with elders, because sometimes it's really difficult, especially when you're dealing with indigenous people. There are rules that just are totally different. Their cultural expectations are totally different than our sometimes cultural expectations. And so, we we wanted to touch on all of that. We also wanted to give ways to honor elders that were in people's lives to recognize them through ceremonies and to offer a memorial service that people could use if their elder passed. And so all of that is in the book. It's it's really packed. I I'm, I'm very impressed with our book. We we ended up when we were done writing it, we were like, wow, we wrote this. <laughs> you know, I was like so impressive because it took us a long time. And, you know, we worked on bits and pieces and chapters and, and then putting it all together and seeing it all together was like, I guess something that was an amazing experience for us more so than any other piece that I've written, because I think we, uh, we managed to incorporate some of what we wanted to put in the book. And so that was important to us. And I hope people will read it and get useful information out of it. It is uh, based on pagan, neo-pagan and alternative religious communities. So, um, but there, but it also talks about elders that are in associated fields, fields that are associated with those communities, like people who found organizations or people who teach crafts, things like that. So I hope it's useful to a lot of people. We've gotten a lot of good feedback from it.
0: It will be one of my next reads. And I work in senior living. I told you that before um, in my profession. And so I'm really interested to... I look forward to what you have to say about it. Yeah, and I can yeah. share it with others for sure. We'll put a link. Can it be ordered online? Yes, it's available in, in the U.S.
1: through Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. In Europe, it's also available through Amazon and through some of the other online bookstores. And it is available in a couple of stores if you're in England, um, brick and mortar stores. But most people are, are ordering it online
0: we'll put the link to the Amazon then. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I'm looking forward to it.
1: No, there's so much we could talk about. So
0: can they bring Um, you on again. If if you feel like about it to talk about anything in particular, because I'd so feel that we could, I mean, we didn't, we didn't even scrape the surface, but I'd love to come on again. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Lilith. Are you ready to go back to November 1st, 1993? Sure. That was a good year. Right. It it was a while ago. I can't believe it's pushing almost 20 years, but uh, we're going to go over, everyone, the song called The Sign by the group Ace of Bass. Those are lots of words together. Um, But Ace of Bass, when that music video itself started out in the black and white. It brought me back to thinking about, do you remember Queen's second studio album, Queen 2, with the rock band, the British rock band, with the black and white uh, lighting, the group of four guys? Now, I
1: remember Queen, but I don't remember the studio album that was had black and white videos,
0: I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I'm gonna I'll send it to you after, but I think some people listening out there will know exactly what I'm talking about because there's huge significance in it. And they all started that way, the group of four in the ace of base. So I was like, they're trying to put the sign out there that they've got it figured out, like Queen did. So I had to say that right away. But I always like to start out with what was some of the things that stood out most to you right off the bat.
1: You know when you look at the words of this song, I'm pretty sure when it came out in 91, I thought, is this a song about a, a romance? Is this a song about a relationship? What is this song about? And I'm sure that that I just kind of hummed along to it and, and bobbed my head and sang the chorus and, and let it go with that. But it's such a, I would say it's a song that pre-exists, came before a lot of the terminology that we now think is common, especially in uh, new age, alternative communities, whatever you want to look at there, because we look at that and we say signs. Yes, there's signs. And life is demanding if you don't have understanding. And, you know, if all it is is work, then, then what is it? And so I think that's the first thing when I went back to the song after 20 years since I'd heard it, probably. I'm like, oh, I saw the sign and it opened up my eyes, you know? Right.
0: If it were only that easy. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I I said that to you. I'm like, how did I not see some of the signs that are in these music videos way back? It's like, slap me in the face Um, when I was younger, but now I'm seeing it. And I I had to do some research, though, because there's so many things that stood out, but and I hope I say it right. If I don't say it right, nobody out there ridicule me too hard, but the... The Ankh is the sign that the group sings of in the video, and the symbol is extremely important within Freemason and Rosicrucian, and the symbol originates from Egypt, where it represents eternal life and, more importantly, godhood.
1: Yeah, the Ankh is a symbol of the cycle of life, you know, birth death rebirth it's about how what we were talking about earlier that web of life that continuing onward I mean we as people the indigenous elders would say we stand on the shoulders of our ancestors and the first time I heard that I didn't really understand it but what they're talking about is our ancestors did everything they did so that we would be here where we are now they might not have done it very well because some ancestors did better than others, right? We all would say that. We have relatives that do things more comfortably with us than others. And more e- they're easier to get along with than others. But we are that continuation. That continuation from all the way back into the mists of time of our ancestors, as well as forward into the future. And that's the, the cycle of life that's represented in the onk. So when you talk about the sign, that just opens it right up. If you realize that they're using an onk in that, in that video, it opens it up. It could be a sign from your, you know, your beloved dead grandmother because you smell the perfume she used to wear. Or it could be something more obvious, you know, like the whole government shutting down the economy because, because of of a disease, you know, those are, those are all valid signs.
0: They're huge signs, which makes me think of, and I don't know if you noticed this, the light haired, um, the white haired woman and then the dark haired sister in there with black uh, are standing side by side, surrounded by the Ankh. And the sisters are almost like a physical representation of the light and dark the good and evil forces. So that really just stood out to me with all a duality. Did anything in particular stand out to you?
1: Well, I would say as far as that goes, to me, I looked at that as the balance. Because to me, when you're talking about the dark, it's not negative. You know, there's like a darkness that at nighttime, that's not negative. It's just not light. And we could use another symbol, the Tao, Taoism symbol where you've got the light on one side, the dark on the other side, but each of them contains a bit of the other. There's the circle of white inside the dark, and the circle of black inside the light. And, and I think that's that's it also is that like we have to incorporate all of that into ourselves. We can't just say, I'm not that person anymore, so I'll never do that again. Yes, we can say I'll never do that again, but we can't say I'm not that person anymore because we can say I won't act like that. I'm healing. I'm improving. I'm growing stronger. But we can't cut off bits and pieces of ourselves willy-nilly just so we fit into some, to use your term, some box.
0: I like that you bring that up. That was the last episode I recorded. I talked all about yin and yang and what the black and the white mean and the little dots in there. And oh, that's awesome.
1: I careful. didn't see it's- that
0: one. Full yeah, <laughs> <little> synchronicity there. <laughs> there is a huge synchronicity. So I'm glad that we are discussing that because it is important that I can sit here and say, you know, anything that I've done wrong in my past, I don't want to go through again, experience and we'll say, you know, I'm not going to do it. There's no guarantees. I just think history repeats itself and there's huge significance History repeating itself and like breaking that cycle. I don't know why that's playing out so much in my head.
1: I, that is valid. That is valid because I, if you don't if you don't honor the lessons of your ancestors, it can be like history repeating itself. It can be, you know, if, let's just put it on the purely physical level and not even get metaphysical about it. If you know your your mother, your grandfather, your father, and your grandfather, if you know the previous generations of your family had heart disease, you know, and, because, and they had high blood pressure then you know that you have to work on that, right? You have to deal with that physically. Well, the same thing is true spiritually. And as far as I'm concerned, when the Christians say the sins of the father are vested on the son, what they're really meaning is that we have to learn from the things that our families have done, at whether they were good or bad. We had a lot of, a lot of positive in our backgrounds, that maybe gets ignored. Then there's probably some negative that we'd like to ignore. But we have to look at all of that. And so that we, as a people, as human beings, as members on this planet can move forward into the future and have the world be in a better place, have everybody be in a better place.
0: Thank you. Because that's exactly what I was trying to kind of get across when I was channeling that in was just that significance there was with the ancestors in the past and to the current history, because I've been blessed that I stopped certain cycles in my family history. Good. And I've just been blessed to be able to do that. You know, it doesn't mean I'm better than anybody else. It just means that you were aware enough
1: and had enough willpower, enough active desire to, to make that change because change is
0: active. Yes. That it is. It is. Yes, I love that. Now, did you notice the yellow rose? I did. I did. They were saying that that represented secrecy when I was doing some research into oh, the Rosicrucian yeah religion. And then I I know personally that the yellow rose is like a symbol of friendship, typically or good health. So I wondered if you what your thoughts were on the symbolism of that throughout.
1: Well, if I can answer more shamanically, I would say that signs are important to us if they keep coming up. Now, I know people get real excited about a certain time of day that it comes up on their clock every day, you know, and and that may or may not be a, a big sign in your life, because after all, the clock does go through those hours every day. And maybe you just Notice it and look at it. And so it's telling you it's time to meditate or whatever. But but if you were, for instance, you know, a yellow rose showed up in that video and then you walked out of your house tomorrow and somebody was carrying yellow roses down the street, then I would say that that the yellow rose means something to you that you need to look at. If it happens and it's really odd, the odder the sign, the more important it is. That's what I believe. And from a shamanic point of view. So if you see one crow in the city, it's not that big a deal. It's like, oh, there's a crow. How nice. There's a crow. Hi, crow. You know, but if you saw 20 crows in the city and they were in the parking lot near your car, then that's maybe something that really needs some consideration from you. Okay. Uh, There's a story that, A woman told me a long time ago, and this is where I say things that I get into trouble sometimes. She was telling me this story because she felt this was a huge sign in her life. She was planning on going to visit some friends and it was winter time and the friends, she lived in a state that had winter and so did the friends lived in a state that had winter and she got in her car, she got her car all loaded up, she started to pull out of her driveway And there was a whole flock of birds in the road blocking her from leaving her driveway. And so she had her kids get out of the car and chase the birds away. And then she drove down the street and there were more birds flying in front of her car and landing in the road in front of her car and all of these things. And so she drove, she got almost to where the people lived and got stuck in a snowbank and was was stuck in her car for several hours with her kids until somebody came along and got them out of the snowbank and here's me i said why didn't you listen to the birds (laughs) right (laughs) they told you don't go (laughs) (laughs) and um uh, she got really upset with me because i guess that wasn't what i was supposed to say
0: (laughs) hey i love it i would have said the same thing in my head i was like That would be a sign that I would stop, reevaluate the situation, maybe change it to a different day or look at it
1: somehow. I mean, okay, the birds are in the road and you can't get out of your driveway is why are the, the birds don't usually sit in the road. That's really odd behavior. And they certainly don't sit there if you go out and get in your car, right? They, you know, you, you turn on your car, I guarantee you, all those birds are going to go up and be in the trees. They're not going to be down behind your car because they know cars are dangerous.
0: (laughs) Right. Exactly. And you, you have so much wisdom. So I'm, I really, I've got to ask this because I live a life of synchronicity and that's a big part of my podcast. And every day I have synchronicities and it's not just numbers. It's, there's just so many. And I feel like the more spiritual I am in the day, the more and more they come. Now, from a shamanic standpoint, is there significance with the synchronicity, the amount of synchronicities you have in a particular day? Is it divine signs, they're just wanting to communicate, or is it serious? Do you get what I'm saying in regards to, I'm always having these? Yes, I would say all of the above shamanically synchronicity
1: is important from a standpoint of even non-shamanic synchronicity is important but yes and sometimes they can be important information sometimes it can just be you are becoming more aware of what's going on around you which is not a bad thing that's a good thing becoming more aware of what's happening around you but yes it can be an important sign and it also depends on what it means to you you know, like if I, if I had a squirrel run up in front of me when I was walking down the sidewalk and sit in front of the sidewalk, sit on the sidewalk in front of me, that might mean something different to me than it does to you. So you have to look at what it means to you. Is this
0: squirrel telling you something? I like that you say that because many times I'll ask out into the universe because I want to give the vibration and talk and ask my questions for the day. And like the other day, I was sitting there working out on my deck. You know, it's a beautiful day outside, and I had asked the universe a question. And all of a sudden, I've never in my whole life experienced this. A bird comes and sits on my laptop, wow. on my keyboard. I had to stop <laughs> and realize, what am I doing? What's going on around here? And it made sense that I needed to slow down what I was doing for work. The bird totally stopped what I was doing and gave me the focus I needed, but I've never had that happen in my life. That's pretty
1: impressive. Yes.
0: Isn't it? (laughs) And then it actually went off because my dog was laying on this little cot on the patio, went down by him. So I knew there was even more symbolism for a bird to go down by my dog and he's well-behaved, but went down and then just flew off. And I was like, okay. It did what it needed to do. It got your attention. You got it. Is there anything else in the music video that stood out? Because I'm thinking the only (laughs) other thing that I noticed was clearly, you know, we talk about the signs, but there was a lot of gestures, hand symbols.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure um, that I understood what exactly they were trying to tell us with the hand gestures, other than maybe they just wanted to keep our attention.
0: There's a hand open, but it didn't connect.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I wasn't sure of that. So maybe somebody also have a uh, better idea about that of course they also talk about the moon in that video you were talking about the moon being uh when you see the moon at night when you walk your dog and they also talked about the moon in the video and about uh seeing the stars so from a standpoint of shamanism, to me, that's their connection. They're connecting with the earth through through the moon and the stars. They're connecting with the universe. And I, didn't they mention something else in there, too? I mean, I realized they showed the yellow rose, but there was something else in the words, I thought.
0: Where do you belong? That stood out to that's me.
1: That's it. Yes, that's it. That's it. Where do you belong? Because isn't that, you know... Isn't that part of what we do in life is like, do I belong here? Am I supposed to be here? That's our quest, right? That's part of our journey. Is this where I should be? Am you know, what is my destiny? It all kind of gets tangled up together in if we belong or not. And of course, when we're younger people, whether we belong or not is a totally different question than when we become in our thirties, when we get to our thirties, then the question is different.
0: Funny you say that. Because I tell everybody, you know, they'll say 24, 25, and I used to think that, and then I'm like, I would rather know what I knew in my 30s. 30s on, I swear to you, it's a completely different mindset than when I was in my 20s.
1: There's a different focus as you go through life, when you get older. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty fascinating. I think that's another reason why uh, my friend, Joy, and I were so focused in on elders because all of a sudden people thought we were elders and, um, you know, and it was like, wait, no. <laughs> you know? And then all of a sudden we were the elders because our elders were no longer living. So it was like, oh my heavens, when did this happen?
0: <laughs> it seems like everything happens overnight. I swear time goes faster. It was more just five age. years ago, right? <laughs> Exactly. I am so, so excited to read your book. I definitely would like you to come on my podcast again and discuss in more detail all the other areas that you cover. I focus on the shamanism just because it's near and dear to my heart with the Native American side and, you know, wanting to learn a little bit more. Well, and I
1: am very grateful to uh, the Native Americans and the indigenous people of the Americas and of the other parts of the world that were willing to be my teachers and mentors, because I know that they had to overcome a lot in order to uh, get to the point where they were willing to do that. And, and I am grateful to all of them.
0: When they used a lot of signs and symbols and artwork, and that, you know, with the song to, you know, just something I think that people need to get out and use their creativity. It's something I learned with painting. And that's when I started noticing the synchronicities happening, the more I painted. And I think that's why my ancestors utilized painting for signs and symbols. Nice. Nice. That's what I've been guided to. And then everything started clicking right along. And Willis, before we and today it was so fun talking about the music video. I know you teach as well. Could you tell me a little bit about the coursework that you teach and what that looks like?
1: Sure. <laughs> the, um, I teach right now, I'm doing mostly online teaching. So I have two courses that are about shamanism that are introductory courses that I teach through the Wiccan Seminary, wiccanseminary.edu. And you don't have to be a student, a full-time student through them in order to take those classes. You can take them individually.
0: Thank you. I'll share that link as well. So if people want to check it out, I know I'm going to uh, check it out. The more interest. Now, do you have to take one before you can take the other?
1: No, there's no prerequisites to those two classes. Uh, they're both introductory classes. So you need to know how to meditate. And uh, there are prerequisites listed, but you can ask that they contact me and let you into the class. And that will be um, just letting me know how, what you know about meditation or some few basic things that will make it easier for you to succeed in those classes.
0: Good to know. Thank you so much for sharing your time and space with me today. It really means a lot. Thank you for having me here, Amber.
1: I appreciated talking with you and and I'm glad to, uh, to be a part of your
0: podcast. Well, thank you so much. And everybody out there, until the next time, sending you love, light, and strength. Take care and God bless. If you've enjoyed spending time with me today, I'd love it if you'd subscribe to my podcast. You'll find links in the show notes to items discussed during the podcast. Check out the Try A New Frequency website for my top daily music video. I love hearing from all of you. Feel free to send me an email to trynewfrequency@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I'm sending you all love and light until the next time.